0: You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. are now entering the Sapphire Planet. now in the sapphire planet The history of Canada covers the period from the arrival of the paleo Indians thousands of years ago to present day prior to European colonization The lands encompassing present-day Canada were inhabited for millennia by Aboriginal peoples with distinct trade networks, spiritual beliefs, and styles of social organization. Some of these civilizations had long faded by the time of the first European arrivals and have been discovered through archaeological investigations. Starting in the late 15th century, French and British expeditions explored, colonized, and fought over various places within North America in what constitutes present-day Canada. The colony of New France was established in 1534 and was ceded to the United Kingdom in 1763 after the French defeat in the Seven Years' War The now British province of Quebec was divided into upper and lower Canada in in 1791 and reunified in 1841. In 1867, the province of Canada was joined with two other British colonies of New Brunswick and Nova Scotia through Confederation forming a self-government entity named Canada. The new dominion expanded by incorporating other parts of British North America, finishing with Newfoundland and Labrador in 1949. Although responsible government had existed in Canada since 1848, Britain continued to set its foreign and defense policies after the end of the First World War. With the passing of the Statute of Westminster in 1931, Canada became co-equal with the United Kingdom. After the Constitution was repatriated in 1982, the final vestiges of legal dependence on the British Parliament were removed. Canada currently consists of ten provinces and three territories and is a parliamentary democracy and a constitutional monarchy with Queen Elizabeth II as its head of state. Over centuries, elements of Aboriginal, French, British, and more recent immigrant customs have combined to form a Canadian culture that has been strongly influenced by its linguistics, geographic, and economic neighbor to the the south, the United States. Since the conclusion of the Second World War, Canadians have supported multi- lateralism abroad, and socioeconomic development domestically. Archaeological and aboriginal genetic evidence indicate that North and South America were the last continents into which humans migrated. During the Wisconsin glaciation, from the years 50,000 to 17,000 years ago, Falling sea levels allowed people to move across the Bering Land Bridge from Siberia into Northwest North America. At that point, they were blocked by the Laurentide Ice Sheet that covered most of Canada, confining them to Alaska and the Yukon for thousands of years. The exact dates and routes of the people of the Americas are the subject of an ongoing debate. By 16,000 years ago, the glacial melt allowed people to move by land south and east, out of the Straits and into Canada. The Queen Charlotte Islands, Old Crow Flats, and Bluefish Caves contain some of the earliest Paleo-Indian archeological sites in Canada. Ice Age hunter-gatherers of this period left lithic flake fluted stone tools and the remains of large butchered animals. The North American climate stabilized around the year 8,000 BC. Climatic conditions were similar to modern patterns. However, the receding glacial ice sheets still covered large portions of the land, creating lakes of meltwater. Most population groups during the archaic periods were still highly mobile hunter-gatherers. However, individual groups started to focus on resources available to them locally. Thus, with the passage of time, there is a pattern of increasing regionalization. The woodland culture period dates from about 2000 BC to 1000 AD and includes Ontario, Quebec, and the maritime regions. The introduction of pottery distinguishes the woodland culture from the previous archaic stage inhibitants. The Laurentian related people of Ontario manufactured the oldest pottery excavated to date in Canada. The Hopewell tradition is an aboriginal culture that flourished along the American rivers from 300 B- B.C. to 500 A.D. At its greatest extent, the Hopewell exchange system connected cultures and societies to the peoples on the Canadian shores of Lake Ontario. Canadian expression of the Hopewellian peoples encompasses the Point Peninsula, Saugeen, and Laurel complexes. The eastern woodland areas of what became Canada were home to the Aliquanian and Iroquoian peoples. The Algonquian language is believed to have originated in the western plateau of Idaho, or the plains of Montana, and moved eastward, eventually extending all the way from Hudson Bay to what is today Nova Scotia in the east, and as far south as the Tidewater region of Virginia. Speakers of Eastern Algonquian language include the Micamac and the Abenaki of the Maritime Region of Canada, and likely the extinct Beothuk of Newfoundland, the Ojibwa, and other Anishinaabe speakers of the Central Algonquian languages retain an oral tradition of having moved to their lands around the western and central Great Lakes from the sea, likely the east coast. According to oral tradition, the Ojibwa formed the Council of Three Fires in the year 796 A.D. with the Odawa and the Potawatomi people. The Iroquois were centered from at least 1,000 AD in northern New York, but their influence extended to what is now southern Ontario and Montreal area of modern Quebec. The Iroquois Confederacy, according to oral tradition, was formed in 1142 AD. On the great plains of the Cree, depended on the vast herds of bison to supply food and many other needs. To the northwest were the peoples of the Naden languages, which included the Athpaskan speaking peoples and the Ligit, who lived on the islands of southern Alaska and northern British Columbia. The Naden language group is to believe to be linked to the Yanisean languages of Siberia. The Dene of Western Arctic may represent a distinct wave of migration from Asia to North America. The interior of British Columbia was home to the Salishan language groups such as the Shu'ap, Okanagan, and Southern Athbaskan language groups, primarily the Daco and the Silicoi. The inlets and valleys of British Columbia coast sheltered large, distinct populations such as the Haida, Kawa wakwa and the Nuchad-Nuluth, sustained by the region's abundant salmon and shellfish. These peoples developed complex cultures dependent on the western red cedar that included wooden houses, seagoing whaling, and war canoes, and elaborately carved potlatch items, and totem poles. Finally, in the Arctic archipelago, the distinctive paleo-eskimos known as Dorset people, whose culture had been traced back to around 500 BC, were replaced by the ancestors of today's Inuit by around the year 1500 AD. This transition is supported by archaeological records and Inuit mythology that tells of having driven off the Tunit or first inhabitants. Inuit traditionally laws are anthropologically different from Western law. Customary law was non existent in Inuit society before the introduction of the Canadian legal system. European contact. There are reports of contact made before the 1492 voyages of Christopher Columbus, and the age of discovery between First Nations, Inuit, and those from other continents. The Norse, who had settled Greenland and Iceland, arrived around the year 1000, and built a small settlement at Lannas Ox Meadows, at the north, northernmost tip of Newfoundland. Munazak's Meadows is also notable for its connection with the attempted colony of Vinland established by Leif Erikson around the same period, or more broadly, with north exploration of the Americas. Under letters letters patent from King Henry VII of England, the Italian John Cabot became the first European known to have landed in Canada after the time of the Vikings. Records indicate that on June 24, 1497, he sighted land at a northern location believed to be somewhere in the Atlantic provinces official tradition deemed the first landing site to be Cape Bonavista, Newfoundland, although other locations are possible. After 1497 Cabot and his son Sebastian Cabot continued to make other voyages to find the Northwest Passage and other explorers continued to sail out of England to the New World, although the details of these voyages are not well recorded. Based on the Treaty of Tordesillas, the Spanish Crown claimed it had territorial rights in the area visited by John Cabot in 1497 and 1498. However, Portuguese explorers like Joao Fernandes Lavador would continue to visit the north Atlantic coast which accounts for the appearance of Labrador on topographical maps of the period. In 1501 and 1502, the Court Real brothers explored Newfoundland and Labrador claiming these lands as part of the Portuguese Empire. In 1506, King Manuel I of Portugal created taxes for the cod fisheries in Newfoundland waters. Joao Alvarez Fangundes and Pedro de Barcelos established fishing outposts in Newfoundland and Nova Scotia around 1521. However, these were later abandoned with the Portuguese colonizers, f- focusing their efforts on South America. The extent and nature of Portuguese activity on the Canadian mainland during the 16th century remains unclear and controversial. Canada and the French. French interest in the New World began with Francis I of France, who, in 1524, sponsored Giovanni da Verrazzano to navigate the region between Florida and Newfoundland in hopes of finding a route to the Pacific Ocean. Although the English had laid claims to it in 1497 when John Cabot made landfall somewhere on the North American coast, likely either modern day Newfoundland or Nova Scotia, and had claimed the land for England on behalf of King Henry VII, these claims were not exercised and England did not make any attempt at permanent colonization. For the French, however, Jacques Cartier planted a cross on the Gatsby Peninsula in 1534 and claimed the land in the name of Francis I, establishing a region called Canada. Permanent settlement attempts by Cartier at Charlesburg Royal in 1541, at Sable Island in 1598, by Marquis de La Roche Mesquoise, and at Tadoussac, Quebec, in 1600 by Franco-Grave-du-Pont, had all eventually failed. Despite these initial failures, French fishing fleets sailed the Atlantic coast and into St. Lawrence River, trading and making alliances with First Nations, as well as establishing fishing settlements such as in Parse in 1603. As a result of France's claim and activities in the colony of Canada, the name Canada was present on international maps denoting this colony within the St. Lawrence River region. In 1604, a North American fur trade monopoly was granted to Pierre de Gois Sieur de Mons. The fur trade became one of the main economic ventures in North America. Duguay, led his first colonization expedition to an island located near the mouth of the St. Croix River. Among his lieutenants was a geographer named Samuel de Champlain, who promptly carried out a major exploration of the northeastern coastline of what is now the United States. In the spring of 1605, under Samuel de Champlain, The new St. Croix settlement was moved to Port Royal, today's Annapolis Royal in Nova Scotia. Samuel de Champlain also landed at St. John Harbor on June 24, 1604, which is also the Feast of John the Baptist, by the way, and is where the city of St. John, New Brunswick and the St. John River gets its name. In 1608, Champlain found what is now Quebec City one of the earliest permanent settlements, which would become the capital of New France. He took personal administration over the city and its affairs and sent out expeditions to explore the interior. Champlain himself discovered Lake Champlain in 1609. By 1615, he had traveled by canoe up the Ottawa River through Lake Nispissing and Georgian Bay to the center of Huron County near Lake Simcoe. During these voyages, Champlain aided the Wendat in their battles against the Iroquois Confederacy. As a result, the Iroquois would become enemies of the French and be involved in multiple conflicts known as the French and Iroquois Wars, until the signing of the Great Peace of Montreal in 1701. The English, led by Humphrey Gilbert, had claimed St. John's, Newfoundland in 1583 as the first North American English colony by royal prerogative of Queen Elizabeth I. In the reign of King James I, the English established additional colonies in Cupid's and Fairyland, Newfoundland, and soon found after established the first successful permanent settlements of Virginia to the south. On September 29, 1621, a charter for the foundation of a New World Scottish colony was granted by King James to Sir William Alexander. In 1622, the first settlers left Scotland. They initially failed, and permanent Nova Scotian settlements were not firmly established until 1629, during the end of the Anglo-French Wars. These colonies did not last long. In 1631, under Charles I of England, the Treaty of Susa was signed, ending the war and returning Nova Scotia to the French. New France was not fully restored to French rule until the 1632 Treaty of St. Germain-en-Laye. This led to new French immigrants and the founding of the trois rivieres in 1634. During this period, in contrast to the higher density and slower-moving agricultural settlements developed by the English inward from the east coast of the colonies. New France's interior front here would eventually cover an an immense area within a thin network centered on fur trade, conversion efforts by missionaries, establishing and claiming an empire, and military efforts to protect and further those efforts. The largest of these canoe networks covered much of present-day Canada and central present-day United States. After Champlain's death in 1635, the Roman Catholic Church and the Jesuit establishment became the most dominant force in New France and hoped to establish a utopian European and Aboriginal Christian community. In 1642, the Solpicians sponsored a group of settlers led by Paul Chamade la Musoniev, who found Ville-Marie, precursor to present-day Montreal. In 1663, the French Crown took direct control of the colonies from the Company of New France. Although immigration rates to New France remained very low under direct French control, most of the new arrivals were farmers and the rate of population growth among the settlers themselves had been very high. The women had about 30% more children than comparable women who remained in France. Canadians had an exceptional diet for their time. This was due to the natural abundance of meat, fish, and pure water, the good food conservation conditions during the winter, and an adequate wheat supply in most years. The 1666 census of New France was conducted by France's Intendant Jean Talon in the winter of 65-66. The census showed a population count of 3,215 Acadians inhabitants, which were French-Canadian farmers, in the administrative district of Acadia and Canada. The census also revealed a great difference in the number of men, 2,034 versus 1,188 women, two to one. By the early 1700s, the New France settlers were well established along the shores of the St. Lawrence River and parts of Nova Scotia, with a population of around 16,000. However, new arrivals stopped coming from France in the preceding decades, resulting in the English and Scottish settlers in Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, and the southern 13 colonies to vastly outnumber the French population, approximately 10 to 1 by the 1750s. From 1670 through the Hudson Bay Company, the English also laid claim to Hudson Bay and its drainage basin known as Rupert's Land, establishing new trading posts and forts while continuing to operate fishing settlements in Newfoundland. French expansion along the Canadian canoe routes challenged the Hudson Bay Company's claim. And in 1686, Pierre Troyes led an overland expedition from Montreal to the shores of the Bay where they managed to capture a handful of outposts. La Salle's explorations gave France a claim to the Mississippi River Valley, where fur trappers and a few settlers set up scattered forts and settlements. There were four French and Indian wars and two additional wars in Acadia and Nova Scotia between the 13 American colonies and New France from 1688 to 1763. During King William's War, which was 1688 to 1697, military conflicts in Acadia included the Battle of Port Royal, Royal in 1690, a naval battle in the Bay of Fundy on July 14, 1696. The Treaty of Ryswick in 1697 ended the war between the two colonial powers of England and France for a brief time. During Queen Anne's War, 1702 to 1713, the British conquest of Acadia occurred in 1710. Resulting in Nova Scotia, other than Cape Breton, being officially ceded to the British by the Treaty of Urtecht, including Rupert's Land, which France had conquered in the late 17th century. As an immediate result of this setback, France founded the powerful fortress of Louisbourg on Cape Breton Island. Louisbourg, was intended to serve as a year-round military and naval base for France's remaining North American empire and to protect the entrance to the St. Lawrence River. Father Rale's war resulted in both the fall of New France influence in the present-day Maine and the British recognition of having to negotiate with the Mi'kmaq in Nova Scotia. During King George's War, 1744 to 1748, an army of New Englanders led by William Pepperell mounted an expedition of 90 vessels and 4,000 men against Louisbourg in 1745. Within three months, the fortress surrendered. The return of Louisbourg to French control by the peace treaty prompted the British to found Halifax in 1749 under Edward Cornwallis. Despite the official cessation of war between British and French empires with the Treaty of Aix-la-Chapelle, the conflict in Acadia, Nova Scotia continued on as the Father Le Loutre's War. The British ordered the Acadians expelled from their lands in 1755 during the French and Indian War an event called the expulsion of the Acadians. The expulsion resulted in approximately 12,000 Acadians being shipped to destinations throughout Britain's North America and to France, Quebec, and French Caribbean colony Saint Dominique. The first wave of the expulsion of the Acadians began with the Bay of Fundy campaign in 1755. And the second wave began after the final siege of Louisbourg in 1758. Many of the Acadians settled in southern Louisiana, creating the Cajun culture there. Some Acadians managed to hide and others eventually returned to Nova Scotia, but they were far outnumbered by a new immigration of New England planters who were settled on the former lands of the Acadians and transformed Nova Scotia from a colony of occupation for the British to a settled colony with stronger ties to England. Britain eventually gained control of Quebec City and Montreal after the Battle of Plains of Abraham and the Battle of Fort Niagara in 1759 and the Battle of Thousand Islands and Battle of St. Foy in 1760. Now, Canada is under British rule, the secession of New France to Britain. With the end of the Seven Years' War and the signing of the Treaty of Paris in 1763, France ceded almost all of its remaining territory in mainland North America. Except for a fishing rights off Newfoundland, and the two small islands of Saint Pierre and Miquelon, where its fishermen could dry their fish, France had already secretly ceded its vast Louisiana territory to Spain, under the Treaty of Fontainebleau in 1762, in which King Louis the Fifteenth of France had given his cousin, King Charles III of Spain, the entire area of the drainage basin of the Mississippi River, from the Great Lakes to the Gulf of Mexico, and from the Appalachian Mountains to the Rocky Mountains. France and Spain kept the Treaty of Fontainebleau secret from other countries until 1764. In return for acquiring Canada, Britain returned to France, its most important sugar producing colony, Guadalupe, which the French at the time considered more valuable than Canada. Guadalupe produced more sugar than all the British islands combined, and Voltaire had notoriously dismissed Canada as a few acres of snow. The new British rulers of Canada abolished and later reinstated most of the property, religious, political, and social culture of French-speaking habitants, guaranteeing the right of the Canadians to practice the Catholic faith and to use a French civil law, now known as the Quebec Civil Code, through the Quebec Act of 1774. The Royal Proclamation of 1763 had been issued in October by King George III following Great Britain's acquisition of French territory. The proclamation organized Great Britain's new North American Empire and established relations between the British Crown and Aboriginal peoples through regulation of trade, settlement, and land purchases on the western frontier. Now comes the American Revolution and the Loyalists. During the American Revolution, there was some sympathy for the American cause among Acadians and the New Englanders in Nova Scotia. Neither party joined the rebels, though several hundred individuals joined the revolutionary cause. An invasion of Quebec by the Continental Army in 1775 with a goal to take Quebec from British control was halted at the Battle of Quebec by Guy Carlton with assistance of local militias. The defeat of the British Army during the siege of Yorktown in October 1781 signaled the end of British struggle to suppress the American Revolution. When the British evacuated New York City in 1783, They took many Loyalist refugees to Nova Scotia, while other Loyalists went to southwestern Quebec. So many Loyalists arrived on the shores of the St. John River that a separate colony, New Brunswick, was created in 1784, followed in 1791 by the Division of Quebec into the largely French-speaking Lower Canada along the St. Lawrence River and the Gatsby Peninsula, and the Anglophone Loyalists, Upper Canada, with its capital settled by 1796 in York, which is present-day Toronto. After 1790, most of the new settlers were American farmers, searching for new lands. Although generally favorable to Republicanism, they were relatively non-political and stayed neutral in the War of 1812. In 1785, St. John, New Brunswick became the first incorporated city in what would later become Canada. The signing of the Treaty of Paris in 1783 formally ended the war. Britain made several concessions to the Americans at the expense of the North American colonies. Notably, the borders between Canada and the United States were officially demarcated. All lands south of the Great Lakes, which was formerly a part of the province of Quebec, included modern-day Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio, were ceded to the Americans. Fishing rights were also granted to the United States in the Gulf of St. Lawrence, and on the coast of Newfoundland and the Grand Banks. The British ignored part of the treaty and maintained their military outpost in the Great Lakes area. It had ceded to the U.S and they continued to supply their native allies with munitions. The British evacuated the outpost with the Jay Treaty of 1795, but the continued supply of munitions irritated the Americans in the run-up to the War of 1812. Canadian historians have had mixed views on the long-term impact of the American Revolution. Some say that it provided long standard historical interpretations that for English Canada, the, role, the results were counter-revolutionary. Some historians say that English Canada inherited not the benefits, but the bitterness of the revolution. English Canada started its life with a as a powerful, a nostalgic, nostalgic shove backwards into the past as the conquest had given to French Canada two little peoples officially devoted to counter-revolution to lost causes and to the tawdry ideals of a society of men and masters, and not to the self-reliant freedom alongside of them. Some historians think that Canada did indeed oppose Republican liberty liberty as exemplified by the United States and France. However, it did find a different path forward when it fought against British rulers after 1837 to secure modern liberty. That form of liberty focused not on the virtues of citizens but on protecting their rights from infringements by the state. The War of 1812. The War of 1812 was fought between the United States and the British, with the British North American colonies being heavily involved. Greatly outgunned by the British Royal Navy, the American war plans focused on an invasion of Canada, especially what is today Eastern and Western Ontario. The American frontier states voted for war to suppress the First Nation raids that frustrated settlement of the frontier. The war on the border with the United States was characterized by a series of multiple failed invasions and fiascos on both sides. American forces took control of Lake Erie in 1813, driving the British out of Western Ontario, killing the Native American leader, Tecumseh, and breaking the military power of his Confederacy. The war was overseen by British army officers like Isaac Brooke and Charles de Salbury, with the assistance of First Nations and Loyalist informants, most notably Laura Secord. The treaty ended with no boundary changes thanks to the Treaty of Ghent in 1814 and the rush bagot Treaty of 1817. A demographic result was the shifting of destinations of American migration from Upper Canada to Ohio, Indiana, and Michigan, without fear of Indian attacks. After the war, supporters of Britain tried to repress the republicanism that was common among American immigrants to Canada. The troubling memory of the war and American invasion etched itself from the consciousness of the Canadians as a distrust of the intentions of the United States towards the British presence in North America. The rebellions of 1837 against the British colonial government took place in both Upper and Lower Canada. In Upper Canada, a band of reformers under the leadership of William Lyon Mackenzie took up arms and disorganized and ultimately unsuccessfully series of small-scale skirmishes around Toronto, London, and Hamilton. In Lower Canada, a more substantial rebellion occurred against British rule. Both English and French-Canadian rebels sometimes using bases as the neutral United States, fought several skirmishes against the authorities. The towns of Chambly and Sorrel were taken by the rebels, and Quebec City was isolated from the rest of the colony. Montreal rebel leader Robert Nelson read the Declaration of Independence of Lower Canada to a crowd assembled at the town of Napierville in 1838. The rebellion of the Patriot movement was defeated after the battles across Quebec. Hundreds were arrested, and several villages were burnt in reprisal. The British government then sent Lord Durham to examine this situation. He stayed in Canada only five months before returning to Britain, and brought with him his Durham report, which strongly recommended responsible government. A less well-received recommendation was the amalgamation of Upper and Lower Canada for the deliberate assimilation of the French-speaking population. The Canadas were merged into a single colony, the United Province of Canada by the 1840 Act of Union, and responsible government was achieved in the year 1848. A few months after it, it was accomplished in Nova Scotia. The Parliament of United Canada and Montreal was set on fire by a mob of Tories in 1849 after the passing of an indemnity bill for the people who suffered losses during the rebellion in Lower Canada. Between the Napoleonic Wars and 1850, some 800,000 immigrants came to the colonies of the British North America, mainly from the British Isles as part of the Great Migration of Canada. These included Gaelic-speaking Highland Scots displaced by the highland clearances to Nova Scotia, and Scottish and English settlers to the Canadas, particularly Upper Canada. The Irish famine of the 1840s significantly increased the pace of Irish Catholic immigration to British North America, with over 35,000 distressed Irish landing in Toronto alone in 1847 and 1848. Let's move west and talk about the Pacific colonies. Spanish explorers had taken the lead in the Pacific Northwest coast with the voyages of Juan Jose Perez Hernandez in 1774 and 1775. By the time the Spanish determined to build a fort on Vancouver Island, the British navigator James Cook had visited Nootka Sound and charted the coast as far as Alaska, while British and American maritime fur traders had begun a busy era of commerce with the coastal peoples to satisfy the brisk market for sea otter pelts in China, thereby launching what became known as the China trade. In 1789, war threatened between Britain and Spain over their respective rights, the Nootka crisis was resolved peacefully, largely in favor of Britain, the much stronger naval power. In 1793, Alexander Mackenzie, a Canadian working for the Northwest Company, crossed the continent and with his aboriginal guides and French Canadian crew reached the mouth of the Bella Coola River, completing the first continental crossing north of Mexico, missing George Vancouver's charting expedition to the region by only a few weeks. In 1821, the Northwest Company and Hudson's Bay Company merged with a combined trading territory that was extended by a license to the Northwestern Territory and the Columbian and New Caledonian fur districts, which reached the Arctic Ocean on the north and the Pacific on the west. The colony of Vancouver Island was chartered in 1849 with the trading post at Fort Victoria as the capital. This was followed by the colony of the Queen Charlotte Islands in 1853, and by the creation of the colony of British Columbia in 1858, and the Stikine Territory in 1861, with the latter three being founded expressive, expressly to keep these regions from being overrun and annexed by American gold miners. The colony of the Queen Charlotte Islands and most of the Stikine Territory were merged into the colony of British Columbia in 1863. The remainder, north of the 60th parallel, became part of the Northwestern Territory. next comes the Canadian Confederation. The 72 resolutions from 1864 Quebec Conference and Charlottetown Conference laid the framework for uniting British colonies in North America into a federation. They had been adopted by the majority of provinces of Canada and became the basis for the London Conference of 1866, which led to the formation of the Dominion of Canada of July 1st, 1867. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet.